HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Domain. Domain offers discreet and secure storage, transportation, trading, and advisory services to passionate fine wine collectors worldwide. For more information, visit DomainStorage.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and we are coming to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today on the show, we have the greatest sommelier in the world, and that is not just my opinion. That is a title that he has actually won in a competition that happens only once every three years this year in Argentina. It is Arvid Rosengren. He is here in the studio. But before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that we do have a new time here Wednesdays at 11. 11 a.m. so that I can eat delicious pizza at Roberta's after. And uh, please listen to us live. And if you can't catch it live, you can always find back episodes on heritageradionetwork.org or iTunes or Stitcher or however you like to listen to podcasts. And when I'm not here hosting In the Drink, you can find me at Altalinia this summer. Uh, Altalinia is our outdoor restaurant in uh, Chelsea in the Highline Hotel. It's on 20th and 10th Avenue, and we are known for our frozen Negronis. They are delicious outdoors in the sun. Please join me for a frozen Negroni at Altalinia. All right. Uh, as I said, we have an exciting show today. The greatest sommelier in the world, a sommelier at my uh, one of my absolute favorite restaurants here in New York City, Charlie Bird Restaurant. Um, we have Arvid Rosengren in the studio. I am so excited. Huge congratulations you know, on your thank, on your. Thank on your you program. so much. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. Uh, I think the all of the New York Somali community uh, was so happy for you. I know you have uh, friends around the world who are, who are cheering for you um, as well. Uh, can you tell us about this uh, this competition and the uh, the ASI? You know, this year it happened in Argentina. Um, how long have you been studying for it? What was what was this like? Yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a long story. Um, 
just when I when I started out as a sommelier back in in 2008, I I, I worked with uh, I was sharing the role of, of of head sommelier in a restaurant with a guy who who, who was going to compete in the Swedish uh, competition. So I'm that's where I'm from. We were working in Stockholm, Sweden, um, and I was like. I, I think I can beat this guy. This was a little friendly rivalry going on. We were training together. Uh, I did beat him. I didn't win the competition that time. I, I won it the year after. Um, but that sort of got me started on the path, and, and, and I've been on it ever since. So, um, I mean, the, competing as a sommelier is a pretty sort of niche, esoteric little thing. And, and, and I just want to get it out there, too, that calling yourself – I mean, I don't call myself the best sommelier in the world uh, – Mainly because it's such a subjective thing, and it's you know it's as you know the best sommeliers, whoever does the a good job making his guests uh, experience better for the evening. So most of my favorite sommeliers in the world aren't competing. Um, but for me, it was a good way to better myself. It was a good way for me to keep studying and keep tasting and keep pushing myself uh, myself to 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 a better result uh, and more knowledge. Um, so, so you, I can, yeah, sorry, go ahead. You no, know, so you had to win these kind of feeder competitions first in order to to qualify for this, right? Right. So you have to be the represent your your country in some capacity. So I I, I won best of of uh, best million in Sweden in two thousand and ten, best in Europe in uh, twenty thirteen. I competed in 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 the world uh, that same year, in, which was in Tokyo. Um, did pretty well, but it didn't go all the way. And then so the competition, as you said, is every three years. Uh, and having won the European, I was directly qualified to to compete uh, again. Wow, there's a, an Olympics even uh, more frequently than this, right? In the yeah. Summer and the winter, every two <laughs> years. Um, what did you find was the most difficult part of uh, of the studying? Um, I think as any anyone who studied for any sort of certification, whether it's uh, any of the competitions or, or the MS program, whatever, theory is is taxing. It, it, it takes up so much time and effort. And as the world of wine is getting bigger, and and with the wealth of information out there on on the internet, and so you, the world of wine is so huge right now. And and. It takes so much time. I've spent thousands of hours studying up on esoteric grape varieties in, in Eastern Europe or you know Chinese wine or stuff that you know, don't necessarily have any use of really in, in, in your daily work. But um, that's, what, what that's was your technique to study? I mean, do people still use uh, index cards? Uh, I, it's been so long since I've studied yeah. for anything. Uh, I've, I I did. I, I used it in a very different way. I've I worked. I should say, I, I decided pretty early on on this path that I was not going to be one of the people that won this thing at 50, having tried five times. I wanted to get in and get out, in a way. So I, I, I knew that I had to, I didn't have as much time as many other people have had who've won in the past. Uh, and I work pretty busy week, so oh, yeah. I, I've, I decided to study smart rather than than just a lot. I've been at Charlie Bird very late, and you've been there, and you've been you are working the floor. You are you're working Absolutely. hard, Absolutely. and selling yeah. really good wine along yeah, the way. I, I love it, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully never stop doing that. Um, but yeah, studying for me was was a very systematized process. I instead of just using like flashcards, you know, I, I entered like I, I've you know scoured through books and internet and put everything into a computerized system, basically like a flashcard system. Um, 
uh, of lists and maps and stuff. So I've, every day it sort of fed me back mm-hmm. a number of questions and a number of. Uh, so I had like a theory test every morning. Every morning I wake up, sit down, and have a coffee, and you know I had a two hundred uh, question test in front of me pretty much. Um, so yeah, I laid that out pretty smart in a way that you know if, if there was something I I was good at and I've, I've repeatedly mm-hmm. answered yes, and that got pushed so far in the future that I never you know wouldn't see it. So I only had like the, the tough parts left in that sense. And I know that you know at, at every night at Charlie Road there's some amazing wine that that's being open. Um, how did working at that restaurant kind of help you along with this? Um, I think. I think that working in that restaurant and in that type of restaurant, which is what I've done for for quite some time, I've, I started out working in fine dining and, and sort of left uh, left that pretty pretty early, much due to happenstance. But but um, I really enjoy working in casual, fast paced restaurants, and I think that gave me a, a, a real edge. Um, Considering that most people that I was, this is definitely the first time someone has won this competition who's not working in a full suit and polished shoes and and you know uh, and white tablecloth, right? It yeah, is. absolutely. You know, the, the, most of the people competing are from classic, you know, three, two, three star Michelin restaurants, uh, and and uh, you know, I work in jeans and sneakers and a rolled up shirt. Uh, so I, you know, I think that that marks a change in the way people are dining. I don't think that's just a. I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't think that's just a, a, a coincidence. No, I definitely uh, agree. I think that's not all of the future, but it's certainly a, a bigger part of, mm-hmm. of, of, of going out and dining with, with a focus on wine. You see it in definitely in, in, in New York, but you also start to see it in, in places like Paris. Like, where do you want to go drink wine for people like us? That's one, like, where do you want to go? When, when, you, when you're thinking about restaurants, you want to go dine, you want to go to a fun place and drink some good good juice. And those restaurants are, are sort of taken over in a little, yeah, little bit. Yeah, I certainly do. And I'd rather pay for a nicer wine and not have the prices of the linen and chandeliers right. and flowers being incorporated into the bill. Right. But to go, to go back to your previous question, I think I, I really had an edge in that we do serve some of the greatest wines in the world. You know, old bottles, weird, frail corks, you know, stuff that has to be handled very, very, very carefully. And, and I think we, we really excel at that at a place like, like Charlie Bird. But, you know, we're, there's no time to roll up your, your gird on and take the five-minute ceremony. You might have six bottles to open in a five-minute span, so you have to do everything correctly but really fast-paced and still have that sort of gentle touch with, with the guests. And, and I think that really helped me out once I got to the sort of competition stage because it's all about, like, it's, it's pretty fast-paced once yeah. you're there, yeah. Maybe is the pace a little bit more slow in the competition, actually, or are they still kind of pushing you forward? They're 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 pushing. Okay. Uh, they they are. Yeah. They're. I don't know if they're trying to make it a little bit of an of a of an, sort of an audience sport. There's an audience watching the final at least, and and this year they were live streaming it and stuff. So I think they're trying to make it a bit exciting. So they're 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 definitely trying to push you uh, in, in, into uh, uh, working effectively and, mm-hmm. and then setting up some traps along the way too. So. And did you have a New York-based study team? I think I, I heard that there's a couple of people a, helping you out. Yeah, I had a, the, like the core of my of my team. My team. It sounds like I have like a posse backing me up, but uh, I, I had a good. Uh, don't of, don't mess with the wine posse. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're serious. They're serious. Um, I had a good team back home, uh, but I also had some great help here. Uh, some people like uh, Michael Engelman and Pascaline Le Peltier and, and Aldo Somme, who's competed in the same kind of world, as have Michael and, 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 and Pascaline, um, have been really, really instrumental in, in helping me out here and setting up tastings every week and, you know, tough, practical tests. And, you know, I, I show up at 
uh, at, at 11 in the morning uh, at, at, at the Modern with Michael, and he makes me do blind tasting for staff lineup, you know, just out of the blue uh, before lunch service at the Modern. Stuff like that has been great in just getting me ready to, to, to do this. Uh, so I'm really thankful for, for all the help. Uh, and was there any topic that you really felt like uh, you, you just couldn't, like it was just something that was a thorn in your side and you couldn't, you couldn't master it? Uh, you mean leading up to the competition? Leading up to the competition. Like, oh, I need to spend some more time on this because I, I yeah, can't I, figure this I, uh, out. F- for some reason, I had a really tough time with uh, um, some some spirits blind tasting, uh, which Aldo put me through. And it's so, like every other time, he put put up some different piece ghosts and stuff. And every other time, I'd, I'd nail it. And every other time, I'd be like so lost. And there was no like reason to anything. <laughs> Um, so that 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 was that was tricky, and you know you're you're, you're battling against time. There's never enough time to do any, everything you want. Right, of uh, course. The yeah. the world of wine is getting just bigger and bigger. Right, right. There's so many new regions that are coming out, and there's so much more information. Yeah, and you're studying spirits and beer and cheese and chocolate and coffee and tea and everything as well. Of course, wine is the biggest part, but but it's a it's a broad. It's getting to become very broad at this point. That's yeah. amazing. Now, I mean, now that you've accomplished this, are you going to take a break from studying? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've, hopefully, I'll, 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 I'll sort of stay caught up with the world of wine, and I, and I really enjoy learning about new things as well. I think there's so much exciting things happening on the, sort of the outskirts of the world of wine, but. I could see myself delving deeper into into the wine regions that I like really enjoy drinking too, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because uh, there had to be that something of uh, you know you have to learn. Maybe it's uh, Chinese wines or something that is not to say anything bad about Chinese wines. I haven't mm-hmm. had enough to make a good opinion, but you had to perhaps taste and be expert in wines that you just don't care as much about, right? Especially, yeah, like you say, some some there's always. There are always a number of questions on on stuff like that: Eastern Europe, Asia, North and Africa, things that are maybe not super relevant. I mean, it's good it's good um, that they're sort of promoting them in an indirect in way, forcing people uh, to at least sort of try to learn about these wines. But there, there's not enough of the actual wine on export markets to to to, to taste and to uh, and you know, to, to evaluate. Um, but yeah, unfortunately. As these things become sort of tougher and tougher, and as people become more sort of proficient in how to study, and they have to push it in sort of an esoteric direction. <laughs> Did you find yourself when you were going out to eat? Because I think that this is what I would do. I would I would order the wine by the glass that I'm least familiar with, just just so I knew that you know I could be all, all the time, all the time, right? I, I I'd, I'd be the the idiot ordering three glasses, uh, <laughs> just as an aperitif, and then ordering a bottle of wine, like pushing those aside. <laughs> you know, order the bottle of wine so it's something you actually wanted. To yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, that is uh, Arvid. We are just going to take a very quick break. Uh, we'll be back with more. With, I think you are the best sommelier in the world. Thank I'm you. happy that, you. that you're here in New York uh, for, for now. Um, but come visit Ar- Arvid at uh, Charlie Bird. And uh, we'll be back with a quick break here on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Domain offers discrete and secure storage, transportation, trading, and advisory services to passionate fine wine collectors worldwide. Since 2003, they've focused on making collecting easier and more enjoyable. With over 1.5 million bottles in storage across five facilities, Domain is the largest network of wine storage warehouses in the country. Warehouses are located in Chicago, St. Louis, Metro New York, Napa, and Washington, D.C., with refrigerated shipment hubs in dozens of cities. Their service also extends to the home collector. In the last decade, the team has organized and inventoried more than 1.7 million bottles in home sellers across the globe. Recently, Domain has launched a marketplace where clients can buy and sell wine. Trading in the network ensures that wines are stored at Domain facilities and commissions are the lowest in the industry. Go to DomainStorage.com to complete an online questionnaire and someone will get back to you within one business day. All right, we are back on In the Drink. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and we are coming to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. And just as a reminder, we are here with Ar- with Arvid Rosengren, uh, sommelier at uh, Charlie Bird Restaurant and the recent winner of the ASI Best Sommelier in the World competition. This is a big media day for Arvid. Um, we actually have a team from CBS This Morning who's, uh, who's shooting both uh, inside of the studio and now they're looking at us from, from outside. We should give them a quick wave. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, after this, Arvid has actually uh, told me he's headed straight to uh, the New York Times where he's going to be on a tasting panel. Um, tell us about the what tasting panel you're doing today. I'm tasting... Uh Galician whites, uh, primarily Godeo-based wines, I think, which is, is something I've been raving about for for uh, for several years. So this is actually a, a pretty fun tasting panel. It should be cool. Yeah. I like Godeo a lot, but I, I I wish I knew more about it. But what what has drawn you to uh, Godeo? Um, I, I used to go to to that sort of part of part of Spain um, once or twice a year, primarily to the Basque Country. Mm-hmm. It was easier when I lived in Europe. But that was my like vacation spot for 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 five years in a row, I think. Uh, but then I started sort of branching out. Uh, went to Galicia, um, and I just found the wines to be super interesting and like the potential so high not just with, with Cadeo but that's the most obvious example that's mm-hmm. the, 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 the the variety that's gotten furthest to me it's one of the most dynamic wine regions in the world right now uh, like along with you know a place like Greece and stuff but, but Galicia in particular the wines are so like gastronomically useful and fresh right. and different from everything that that's grown in Spain uh, people have this like preconceived notion of Spanish wine being like big heavy red wine usually and these wines are just fresh and light and lively and uh, mineral. Um, just really small. drinkable, right? It's super drinkable. There's something yeah. about coastal white wines uh, that, that, that I love. I'm drawn to. And Absolutely. you see that yeah. there, too. Yeah. You see that there. Um, so uh, you spent most of your life in, in Europe and have recently uh, moved, to, uh, moved to the States. Can you tell us the story about how uh, we got you here? Right. Yeah. So I, I was, as I said before, I, I started out working in, in, in Sweden, uh, in Stockholm, but I'm originally from the very south of Sweden. Uh, so, I, so my sort of closest hub was, was Copenhagen in, in, in Denmark. Uh, and I, I left Stockholm after, after a little over a year uh, working and I went to Copenhagen, um, where I sp- spent working six years. Uh, I originally went down there to work for a, a uh, fine dining restaurant, a place that just actually just now got their third star a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
Um, but in their first iteration, they, they sort of this was right after the financial crisis, so they, they went bankrupt, um, closed for a while. So I, I found another job and started working for a, um, a, steakhouse, a steakhouse that was just opening, uh, owned by some really competent people, ex, uh, all like sommeliers and chefs, uh, who opened what was the first sort of exclusive steakhouse in, in that part of the world, steakhouse that would normally like a budget type affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, ordered, you know, they, they opened with, with that American exclusive mindset. Um, and... I, I th- this became a huge success. I mean, originally for me it was like, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be here for a couple of months, or whatever, ride it out until I can find a new job. But I, I ended up that was the, my first like real casual wine job in that way, and I've I've I ended up selling so many great bottles. I was like, I'm never going to go back to selling wine, you know, pairing menus. I'm selling great bottles of wine here every night. This is this is insane. There's something energizing and exciting about selling a really great bottle yeah, of wine. Yeah. yeah, and I had nights there where I was just putting away like. You know, glass after glass, a little tasting glass on the little shelf, t- to the point where I, I, at the end, like, wasn't sure what was what. It was, you know, so many cool bottles of wine. Um, and it, this ended up becoming a, a huge success. And uh, I, this became, this went from one restaurant to, I moved around as a group and opened a restaurant for them. Uh, mm-hmm. This other, like, worked at, a, at their Japanese concept, you know, classic French brasserie, all with a great wine list. So I ended up being uh, the wine director for this group of, of eight restaurants. In the end of uh, 2014, they were going to open three more restaurants in 2015 in, in three different countries. And I was 29, and, and at the time I was... You know, kind of off the floor, stuck behind a computer, answering 200 emails a day, and and looking at spreadsheets all the time. I was like stressed and bored at the same time. So I, 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 I even though it was a great job, I had fantastic buying power and traveled around the world, met winemakers, did blends. So you know, I had some great contacts in the winemaking world from from this gig. It sort of outgrew me, uh, and I was I I knew I had to get back to the floor. Uh, you know, I had to get back to serving bottles and talking to people. So I was. Uh, um, looking for something else uh, and looking pretty not globally but I was looking at some different different cities around the world um, New York was not one of them I never really had any connection here in that sense mm-hmm. um, had you been to New York before no not not before <laughs> <laughs> never it's actually pretty funny I've traveled a bunch to the west west coast but never to uh, never to New York um, so anyways I was I was looking at, at other places uh, and, and I happened to be traveling with a little fun group of, 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 uh, of winemakers, a couple of French winemakers that I was uh, meeting with in, in Copenhagen. We were doing a bunch of like tastings and then a little sort of gastronomical tour. And we went up to Stockholm and met with uh, Raj Parr and, and, and Pierre Inchis of, uh, of Chakra and, and Robert Bohr, um, who I now work with. And so, of course, I was like sort of telling them what was, what was happening in my life. And, and they were like, you know, forget about going to London or wherever you're else you're, you think you're going, you should go to New York. And I, I spoke at length with, uh, with, uh, with Robert and our sort of philosophy on how, you know, hospitality is supposed to be done really, really clicked. Um, so I, I distinctly remember we were up in, um, at Favikin, you know, this, at this point sort of legendary restaurant in, 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 in very rural uh, Sweden. I remember calling my my girlfriend, I mean, hey, you know, we've talked about moving, you know, to maybe Stockholm or maybe London or whatever. But how do you feel about New York? And she was like, sure, let's do it. Wow, great. And so this happened, you know, this happened within 
Uh, you know, I, of course, I've, I've, I've traveled over here a couple of weeks later and, and, and saw what was going on and then came here for the Palais and spent a week working at Charlie Bird during that crazy, mad, mad Palais week. And, and then moved over here um, a month later, pretty much. Um, yeah. And ha- has the uh, New York wine scene been kind of open and embracing? What, what do you from, think? From, from day one, from day one, uh, I've, I've never met uh, a community that is so so sort of welcoming and ambitious in a good way, uh, just full of such dedicated but still friendly and, and like open-minded people. It's, it's been fantastic to, to become like become part of it from day one. Everyone was like, come on in, let's do it. And do you find there to be any difference between uh, New York wine drinkers and uh, wine drinkers from uh, from back home or from yeah, like yeah, from? definitely. Um, I think there's there's an open-mindedness in 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 both ways. Um, I do think that the New York wine drinkers are are very or American wine drinkers in general are are pretty well educated. Of course, not everyone, but the ones uh, you know, you certainly run into people who have their thing, and they've tasted, you know. Every wine uh, Christophe Rumier has ever made, uh, they've gone there and yeah. done harvests. They might not know, so they might not have like a uh, like a holistic perspective on everything in the world of wine, or know anything outside of their little niche. But but they're super educated on that. And people, one thing I like more than anything is that people seem to have, as a general rule, seem to have more fun ordering and drinking wine. People are a little bit bit more sort of, eh, whatever. Let's give it a try and you know see what happens and. Uh, not not as much sort of prejudice uh, in terms of wine, which is great. All right, yeah. I, I'm happy to hear that. And, and you know, I find that intimidating too. Sometimes, where some of our guests will be, maybe they're a partner at a law firm, right? And they are the best in their field in a law firm, but also they know more about Riesling than I do. Yeah. Like, Wait a second, <laughs> how can you also like be you know that dialed in? But I guess like they're them being so good at their other job will allow them to. Take their passion that you know Absolutely, that yeah. far, yeah. Uh, that far as well. Um, cool. I've I've only worked in restaurants in in New York, so uh, I, I find that guests are pretty open minded and have become more open minded. I mean, they're they more so today than they were ten years right. ago. And of course, you still run into people at Charlie Bird who are like, "Where's the Napa Cab section?" Well, yeah. it isn't there. <laughs> um, but it's 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 it happens less and less uh, often it feels like most most you know 99% of people are are pretty happy to try almost whatever and you know are getting better at describing what they like in terms of wine too yeah and and i know that charlie bird has just outstanding french wines really known for the french wines but wines from other places in the world as well what else is selling that is not great burgundy or champagne yeah i think i think i mean italy is is, is always strong yes, and it's always yes, going yes. to be strong i think in a city like new york and and you know to, to be honest too the wines are are, are getting better uh, not, not as a general, you know, no, as a general rule, the wines are getting better. There, there have so. always been yeah. like high points of Italy, but it might be sort of saturation in the New York wine market as well. I hadn't tasted much like good Ligurian wine before I came to New York. I hadn't tasted much good Sardinian wine either, for that mm-hmm. matter. Like, um, it might be a change in the general uh, sort of quality of the wines, but also be might be that the best wines end up here. Yeah. Uh, or maybe the importers are particularly interested in that. But yeah. I love Ligurian wines. Yeah. It's crazy to think that other places don't yeah. have yeah. as good Ligurian. Like, I've, I've been to Liguria. The wines you find are, are not that great on the <laughs> average wine list or wine stores. They're like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. They're super simple. Though, if you are in Liguria, you know, eating some Frutti di Mari or something on the coast, 
with some pesto and focaccia and you have a simple white wine it's not the worst thing in the world (laughs) it's not the worst so what is what is next for you i know you have some travel coming up do you have what's your your next year looking so right now i'm I'm just trying to sort of um find a uh, sort of a, a little bit more of a relaxed every day i guess i think there are some people in my in my close vicinity like family and my girlfriend etc who would love love that uh, but we'll see I, I i i'm super happy being where i am i think uh that there will definitely be some 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 cool sort of gigs and and things coming up on sort of a maybe consulting side mm-hmm. of things um there'll definitely be some more travel and 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 so doing tastings and stuff like that, um, but I think I will always have at least one foot in in, in the restaurant world, if not two. I like ha- I like I love working in a restaurant. I, you know, it's, it's I thought about this yesterday. I had a super stressful day, and then as soon as service starts, it's like some sort of weird yeah. meditation. There's nothing else you can do but be there and be present, and it's it's fantastic. Doesn't matter it. what emails you have. Yeah. You put that like, all away. Can't do anything about you it. Do it tomorrow morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's, you always have, sorry, I was in service. Like, yeah. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. And now, you know, when, once you start, you know, going back to doing some sort of reading and, and, and that sort of thing, what, what will you continue to read, uh, in the wine world for, for education? I mean, for, let's say for both education, but also for like just pure pleasure. Mm. I think, you know, there's one thing that that's become more evident. Like the more I learn, uh, is that I really know very little in a way about some sort of very fundamental things. I think this is true for most sort of wine lovers and drinkers. Like still things like explaining terroir and soils and stuff like that is tricky and how it influences wine. I, it's something we all sort of rattle off, mm-hmm. but I, I for one for sure don't understand it in a in a fundamental way. I'd love to read up more about like the wines of you know Montalcino or um, or or the Rome Valley, which I I know I know the wines, but I I'm not you know I don't always understand why the differences in the wines is what it is. You know, I like to d- dig deeper into those kind yeah. of things that I really love. Yeah, and I find that a lot of times it's going to those regions multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, after you've gone back a few times, then you start to really right to really understand it because you can only read so much in, in, exactly. in the book. And, uh, and you think that, you know, if you have a certain way of making wine, uh, that will, the, the grape and the terroir will, will affect it in, you know, some, some places the terroir is stronger, some places the grape is, some places the winemaking Absolutely. is. And then when those three come together, it's, it's hard to say. Mm. Um, all right, we are going to wrap up, but I would encourage everyone to go visit Arvid. Tell him congratulations. Drink outstanding wine and be open-minded when you do it uh over at charlie bird i am uh so happy you came on the show thank you so much thank you thank you and huge congratulations Uh, i wanted to thank everyone here for listening thanks to domain for sponsoring the show you guys are the best thanks to david aaron jack and everyone at heritage radio and uh look forward to seeing this on cbs uh this morning in uh in a few weeks all right thanks guys take care bye Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.